The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins from the Society of St. Pius V, pastor of Immaculate Conception Church in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Hello, Tom. How are you? Good, Good Father. to see you then. You too. Father, some time ago, we did a program concerning Archbishop Tuck and his consecrations and uh, the lineage that followed after that, and we received uh, quite a few emails in mm. response to that program, and we've held on to these for some time now, so I'd like to try and address some of these tonight, and I thought we could start with with this one here, which says, with all due respect to Father William Jenkins, I think it is really easy for him to say the things he does in the vacuum of a one-person interview. Restoration Radio has treated the topic of the Took consecrations, and there is even a debate available on YouTube featuring Father Jenkins and Father Chikata. If the consecrations are to be revisited, how about including Father Chikata in the discussion? Personally, I'll grant perhaps Archbishop Took shouldn't have consecrated some that he did. It comes up in debate and details, yet if you look at the chronological events of the crisis we are in, perhaps some charity is called for. I always tell people that the crisis is like sap in a tree. It moves slowly, but it is moving along. Groups like the CMRI especially had to make command decisions based on what seemed right at, the, at, at their inception that on Monday morning were errors. When the game was played on Sunday, right after Vatican II, and the changes started to happen, how can you blame people for their reactions? Or Archbishop Lefebvre's obvious discomfort shown by the dalliances with Rome. I really think Father Jenkins needs to concede some of the points made by the defenders of the Took consecrations, especially Father Chikata. How do you respond to that, Father? I'm not sure what there is to respond to. Honestly, I mean, he's just saying that you should just agree in some things that you don't agree on. Uh, that's all he's saying, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that, yes, they, they made some decisions, and some of them might have been wrong, and, or I, if I understood it correctly. And I'm saying, yes, that's right. Some of these decisions were wrong, or were very wrong. Do you think that perhaps you They need be... to be revisited, and uh, we have. Mm-hmm. He hasn't pointed out where any of the... Uh, problems that we've raised with the Took consecrations are wrong, and there's no substance to this at all. Um, in his opinion, this, in his opinion, that, he says. Well, he's entitled to his opinion, but if he would just give something specific that he, you know, a point that he wanted to contest, then it would be possible to respond to it. Mm-hmm. But just to respond to the fact that it is his opinion that we need to um, <clears throat> concede, uh, I guess, out of charity, um, points that we believe are seriously wrong, uh, that's not charity, is it, really? So, um, um, I, I guess, Tom, I'd have to ask you to read through that line by line again to see what there is to respond to. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like a, a shotgun blast with no target. Um, this and that and so on, going off in all directions. I mean, would would you do that uh, at least? Maybe uh, you know, if, if you would read it again, line by line, maybe I could say something about it. It, it seems that, uh, if I could summarize it, it seems that the essential point is that uh, that that there needs to be some charity. That these were tough decisions to be made concerning mm-hmm. Archbishop Tuck and his consecrations, mm-hmm. and that we should be more charitable and say, okay, these are tough decisions and tough times. We understand what you did. You were only trying to do what is right. And, and okay, well, let's give them that. let's give them credit for making what they believe was the right decisions. I don't think anybody has accused them necessarily of deliberately making the wrong decisions, um, but. Having done that and giving them the benefit of any doubt there might be that they did what they believed was right, um, it still doesn't change the fact that they're wrong. They were the wrong decisions, and that's what we're arguing about. So uh, we're not arguing whether or not they thought they were doing what was right. 
since our writer brings that up, I think it is a, a point that could be discussed because Father Jakarta was one of the most vehement opponents of the two consecrations. And actually, Father Sanborn, who I understand recently has had a couple of heart attacks, so please pray for him, as I am praying for him. Um, but these were two of the most uh, entrenched uh, uh, condemners of the Tuck consecrations. So to say then that when they changed their minds that they necessarily believed they were doing was right, well, all right, you know, I, I understand, and I understand the reasons why they were changing their minds, because they kind of explained them somewhat. They explained the reason for their change of mind. I found it unconvincing. Um, I found, in my own estimation, that necessity was the mother of invention <laughs> in changing their minds. Um, in fact, uh, I found that they gave essentially the same answer that Father Barbara gave. After Father Barbara himself, Father Noel Barbara, critiqued the Took consecrations, uh, basically saying there were three possibilities um, that Archbishop Took's uh, Archbishop Took was in his right mind. It was compos mentis, and when he consecrated bishops, he consecrated them validly, but then he would be subject to the penalties of the church for consecrating the unworthy men that he did. And there are some severe penalties and censures, uh, crimes against the unity of the church, actually. Not just sins, but crimes that the church censures. Uh, the other possi another possibility, Father Barbara said, was that Archbishop Took was not compos mentis. He was not in uh, the frame of mind uh, necessary to be sure of the validity of the consecrations, and that, that would at least maybe exonerate him of any blame that he didn't realize the gravity of what he was doing. Again, you know, if his, if his mind was so impaired that he couldn't realize the gravity of what he was doing and consecrating some of these characters, uh, then, yes, it would call into question the validity of his consecrations anyway. And the third possibility that Father Barbara mentioned was <clears throat> that we cannot know. We just cannot know right now, uh, in retrospect, whether or not Archbishop Took was compos mentis or not, sufficient to validly consecrate and sufficiently uh, uh, compos mentis to be subject to the penalties of the Church. Um, <clears throat> I happen to think that at the, at the moment uh, that his Father Barbara's uh, estimation is correct. I think those are the three possibilities we face, and I personally favor his third. <coughs> that we realize there was an impairment in Archbishop, uh, Archbishop I'm sorry, <laughs> not Archbishop, Archbishop Took's mind, <coughs> and um, I don't think there's any way to really solve the problem except to say there was an impairment there. What he did <clears throat> was outrageous and criminal in the eyes of the Church in consecrating some of those whom he did. <clears throat> and um, early on, in fact, some of the first men that he did, uh, quote-unquote, consecrate. Um, and so he would be subject to the censures of the Church. Either way, I see uh, that um, if he was mentally sound enough to consecrate, he was mentally sound enough to be subject to the censures at the church levels. So either his consecrations were valid <clears throat> but not Catholic because of the censures of the church, or they were um, <clears throat> uh, not subject to the censures of the church, which would bring into question the validity. Either way, you can't touch them. You just can't have anything to do with them. Not as a traditional Catholic. Uh, this gentleman, uh, for all his goodwill, I can see that, goodwill, uh, um, doesn't help. He, he doesn't actually address any of the real issues, you know. <clears throat> so uh, he's bringing up a point that in my mind was never really at issue, and that is the mind uh, of the good intentions of those who... who... Um, embraced the, the, the Took line mm -hmm. and became part of it, actually. Uh, the question is whether or not they're Catholic and whether or not they are uh, certainly valid. Mm -hmm. 
I think the answer to both those questions is uh, is no. Like, there's no certitude of the validity, and uh, I would say they're they're certainly not Catholic. Okay. <clears throat> uh, uh, I think I've already explained why. I don't yeah. We need to go into those reasons. No, I, I uh, this this next email, Father. They they're a little bit more favorable to to you and your and your position and the Society of Saint Pius V, and they mm -hmm. they say. Uh, <clears throat> This is why it's so difficult to, to deal with, to, to address the issues. Mm -hmm. Because often this is the kind of response you get. Yeah. This is also the kind of response you get from people in the, in the Novus Ordo. <clears throat> About the arguments against the Novus Ordo, too. Well, be more charitable. They meant yeah. well. You know, people mean well. Yeah. It doesn't help them. Nope. Nope. Well, this, this email has a few uh, more, more concrete uh, yeah. qu questions here. Uh, they they say that um, that the that your position and that of the Society of Saint Pius V seems to be the only the only reasonable position the only the only correct one that they could agree with. But they have a couple questions here. Uh, the first one is asking if witnesses are canonically required for a valid consecration. Witnesses are not canonically required for a valid consecration, uh, in the sense that a a single bishop, a single validly consecrated bishop can validly consecrate a bishop, <laughs> okay? I mean, from the standpoint of sacramental theology, there's, that is a fact. I mean, the Church accepts that. <clears throat> and she's ruled on that subject at times, too. Uh, so that is her traditional understanding of this, and that's what we accept, you know. The question is not whether <clears throat> a validly consecrated bishop can consecrate another so uh, let's say a, a priest validly. The understanding is that a person has to be consecrated, uh, ordained a priest validly before he can be consecrated a bishop. That's again the tra church's tradition in the matter. Uh, she does not accept the uh, consecration per saltum, which means that one simply is, is jumps over the priesthood, as it were, as it were, to become a bishop. He has to be ordained validly as a priest first before he can be consecrated bishop. So, uh, as I say, that's not the issue, Tom. The issue is whether people are obliged to accept according to the circumstances or not. I mean, a schismatic bishop could, who is validly consecrated, like let's say a Greek Orthodox bishop who is validly consecrated, who can trace his lineage back to valid bishops throughout, you know, Catholic bishops throughout the centuries, it could validly consecrate another person a bishop, as long as he was validly ordained a priest beforehand. <clears throat> but we would never accept that, because that is schismatic. So someone would be consecrated outside the Catholic Church. This would be not something that the Catholic Church would recognize as being Catholic, even if she accepted the validity. And she would say, you Catholics cannot legitimately go and receive the sacraments from, a, let's say, a Greek Orthodox or Athenian Orthodox or Russian Orthodox bishop. Um, so according to the circumstances, uh, it could be something that would definitely not be Catholic, but it also could be very doubtful. You know, one of the things that Mario Dirksen brings out in his work is that... Um, <coughs> Uh, this was a thesis that Father Sanborn came up with. Uh, we talked about it briefly before. That the Church's position on the matter is that whenever it is certain that a ceremony took place, let's say a ceremony of Episcopal consecration, <clears throat> then the Church says we must presume that it's valid. As long as we acknowledge that it happened, we have to presume that it's valid. And the burden of proof is on those who question the validity. They have to raise the questions about it. And uh, Mario Dirksen goes through this, you know, pages of bringing forth five different uh, Catholic authors on the subject. The problem is that the arguments he's bringing forth there, the testimony of these men, does not concern the case of the consecration of any, like, a, like took bishops, that took consecrations. Every single one of those Catholic authors is dealing with a, a different set, a different situation. He, they're all starting with the point that a Catholic bishop has, in his official capacity as a Catholic bishop, 
let's say, as the Archbishop of Milwaukee or the, the Bishop of, uh, of Kansas City or something like that, that in his official capacity, <clears throat> representing the Catholic Church in his actions, he ordains and consecrates. <clears throat> and it's all canonically done, as I say, within the structure of the Church, within the framework of the Church, her laws and her authority. That that the ceremony takes place, yes, there is that assumption on the part of the Church and all Catholics that this Archbishop, uh, acting in his official capacity as the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Milwaukee, <coughs> consecrates, ordains, <coughs> that that is valid. And the uh, anyone who would question it, well, the burden of proof is falls to him. And there are actually only very few who might even have standing in the church's eyes to oppose the, the validity. Um, but that's not what happened with the two bishops. That's not what happened with the consecration of Bishop. Bishop Mendes' consecration of Bishop Kelly. That's not what happened with Archbishop Lefebvre's consecration of the bishops he consecrated back in 88. Uh, these were extra-canonical, right? They were not recognized. Um, they were done as motu proprio in the sense that the individual bishop, Bishop uh, Archbishop Lefebvre, Bishop Mendez, uh, Bishop uh, Took, Archbishop Took, acted on their own recognizance. They, they acted, they took it upon themselves to consecrate these bishops. Now, uh, with Archbishop Lefebvre, and with Bishop Mendes, there is sufficient testimony to say they acted, as I, I use the term compost mentis, their, their minds were composed, they were rational, they were deliberate in their actions, they weren't operating under any delusions, uh, they knew exactly what they were doing, they accepted the consequences. <clears throat> Bishop Mendes even said uh, the day before he consecrated Bishop Kelly, he said, they will excommunicate me for what I am about to do, but I will laugh at them from heaven because he believed it was the right thing to do. He realized he was taking it upon himself to do that. <clears throat> and knowing that these were extra canonical, that Bishop Mendes, for example, was not acting in an official capacity, uh, commissioned by the church uh, to perform that consecration, um, <clears throat> that uh, we provided witnesses who could testify exactly to what took place and guarantee that the uh, proper matter and form were applied as the church herself requires. Pope Pius Twelfth laid it down very, very precisely in Sacramento Ordinance in 1947. What was required? In terms of matter and form for the ordination of a deacon, the ordination of a priest, and the consecration of a Catholic bishop. <clears throat> and we can testify under oath that this is exactly what happened. With Archbishop Took, you do not have those guarantees. And uh, But beyond that, with Archbishop Took, you have a different, a, a whole another different set of circumstances that not only did he on occasion put out any actual witnesses who could have testified, <clears throat> But he had men there who uh, were serving, but they could not testify, and they themselves disqualified themselves as witnesses, saying we were not there to witness anything, we were just there to serve. And on top of that, you have the question with Archbishop Took of the activities that he involved himself in that were, um, that were just wrong. They, they were just condemned by the Church. They were totally contrary to all Catholic tradition, <clears throat> such as con uh, the consecrating um, non-Catholics and um, men who had actually left the church to be ordained priests of schismatic sects so you have actual crimes against the church which again call into question the, uh, the stability of the mind the, the presence of mind of Archbishop Took and we also have testimony of those who were present at consecrations, for example, the consecration of Gard Laurier, who told us that during that consecration, during that ceremony, uh, Archbishop Took continually invoked the name of John Paul II as mandating that consecration, which is an absolute fiction. And on top of that, Archbishop Took had previously 
assured Gerard Laurier, the man he was consecrating, that he did not believe that John Paul II was the Pope. And so we heard it from the mouths of the only two men who were there, other than Archbishop Took and Gerard Laurier, that uh, Gerard Laurier repeatedly interrupted Archbishop Took and said, you can't invoke John Paul II's name. Remember, you don't believe he is the Pope. So with this kind of uh, problem, uh, uh, I mean, anyone who goes to the Took bishops is taking his soul in his hands. <clears throat> and uh, he's risking something that the church would say, you cannot risk, this is not, this is not my way of doing things. This is not the Catholic way of doing things. Um, there's no justification for this. I think Archbishop Took's consecrations are in a category all unto themselves and are substantially different from the consecrations by Archbishop Took. I'm sorry, see now, <laughs> by Archbishop Lefebvre and by <clears throat> Bishop Mendez because there are precedents in the Catholic Church uh, actually hundreds, thousands of precedents for bishops consecrating bishops without the mandate from the Apostolic See. That was the norm for the first 600 years of the Church's existence, and it was actually spelled out at the Council of Nicaea, that this is how it was to be done. Um, but in Archbishop Took's case, uh, there, there are no precedents for a Catholic bishop consecrating non-Catholics such that the Catholic Church accepted that or ever failed to condemn it in the most severe possible way as a grave crime. Uh, now, you know, something Father Chicago was fond of pointing out was that the old code, like in 1918, uh, leveled, as in his estimation, a, um, a suspension of divinis for doing such a thing. Well, you know, that's his interpretation. But the fact is, uh, even if his interpretation by any plausible means was correct, the Church says that if anyone is consecrated illicitly in this way, and it doesn't talk about a non-Catholic being consecrated, um, then the Church says they cannot use the orders or the powers of the orders they claim to have received until the Church investigates. And then you'll find, if you actually did your due diligence on them, that after the Church investigated, she would excommunicate someone who actually was guilty of committing this crime. So the ultimate result was the same. One was a matter of investigation and then a, a declaratory sentence of excommunication in the old days. Now, by Pope Pius XII, it's made an automatic excommunication. Uh, an automatic excommunication by the very fact that somebody does this. And it's an excommunication that is most specially reserved to the Holy See, the most severe form of automatic excommunication. That's how grave this crime is. This is what Archbishop Took did. So, uh, again, I think people who are availing themselves of the Took bishops are falling into the devil's trap. Uh, he, he pulled off the Novus Ordo, and I know there are people who will tell you, oh, <clears throat> you know, it couldn't happen. This couldn't possibly be so. Look at all these Took bishops. Look at all these Took priests. They're, they've got all these people going to them. It just couldn't be that all these people are being led down the primrose path by these, by these illicit and questionably valid bishops and priests. And you say, well, that's exactly the argument people use about the Novus Ordo. Oh, look at all those millions of people. It, it's just impossible that they can be led. If the devil can pull off a Novus Ordo, he can pull off an Archbishop. He can pull off an Archbishop took, also, and he can lead people astray because they're simply ignoring all the warning signs because it's too convenient. Mm -hmm. um, there, that does not constitute an argument in favor of the Tooks. Uh, if it does, then they might as well also constitutes an argument for the Novus Ordo too. Mm -hmm. Father, you know, one of the, the major players in this uh, this whole ordeal in this area, at least, has been has been Father Sanborn. Mm. And uh, re in, in 2002, he was consecrated as, as a bishop by Bishop uh, Robert McKenna. And so this viewer asks why you refer to Father Sanborn as Father Sanborn and not as Bishop Sanborn after, after his consecration. Because I don't regard him as a Catholic bishop. 
I don't know that he's even a bishop. I think there's a very grave question, uh, an objective doubt about that. But even if he were validly consecrated, he couldn't be validly consecrated a Catholic bishop by somebody who himself was not consecrated by a Catholic bishop. If Archbishop Took did committed these crimes and was guilty of them uh, because he had the, the, the mental capacity, shall we say, to actually do them, then he was automatically excommunicated in the most specially, uh, specially reserved manner, specially reserved to the Holy See. And from that moment on, he couldn't function as a Catholic bishop. If, he's, if he is automatically excommunicated, specialissimo modo reservata a sancta sede, because of the gravity of that crime of consecrating non-Catholics, he can suddenly say, well, uh, I'm going to start consecrating, now this time I'm going to consecrate a Catholic bishop. He couldn't function in the name of the church after that. <clears throat> if he could validly ordain and consecrate, he certainly couldn't ordain and consecrate Catholic bishops. <clears throat> because of, of the crime that he committed, <clears throat> and uh, the censure that was uh, in place because of that crime. I mean, I'm sorry uh, if they don't like it, but the fact is, if that, if that censure of Pope Pius XII through the Holy Office of 1951, uh, automatically excommunicating in the most special way possible, reserved to the Holy See, for a crime, if that doesn't apply to what Archbishop Took did in consecrating men like Jean Lavary, it doesn't apply to anyone anywhere, ever. And, uh, you know, the, the partisans of the Turks claim that we are actually arrogating to ourselves the authority of the Holy See in making that judgment. And th the problem is that all we're doing is following what, our, what Pope Pius XII said. We're following exactly what he said. We're saying they're the ones who are dismissing it and saying it doesn't matter, it doesn't count. They're the ones who are actually arrogating to themselves the authority of the Holy See in order to dismiss what Pope Pius XII said, and, and simply disregard it. Uh, and they, we're, we're not going to follow them in that, because it's, it's, not, it's not traditional Catholicism. One thing, Father, that, that you haven't really mentioned so far is, is the idea of state of Vicantism and how that plays into this matter. This, hmm. this viewer had a question about that, if, if, that could have, if the, um, the idea of state of Vicantism could have any impact on the validity or Catholicity of these consecrations. They, they say that uh, Father Gerard Laurier was not a true state of Vicantist, and he had a complicated theory regarding what state of Vicantism is, so would that have any the impact? thesis of Cacicacum. Would, yes. would that have any, any impact on the, the no. validity? Yeah. No, it wouldn't change the fact that what Archbishop Took did was a crime. Mm -hmm. Always has been a crime in the Church. Always has been treated as a very grave crime <laughs> against the unity of the Church, consecrating non-Catholics. And you know what? Whether Paul VI was a Catholic pontiff or not, whether John Paul II was a Catholic pontiff or not, doesn't change the fact that traditionally, because this is not a crime against the Novus Ordo, this is a crime against the traditional Catholic Church. This is a crime condemned by the Church in her tradition. You see what I mean, Tom? So it's not a matter of whether Paul VI got up and said, I excommunicate you for doing this, but then, Archbishop Took says, well, I don't recognize you as a pope, or his followers don't recognize him. So it doesn't count, right? Only if you completely dis disregard Catholic tradition. It's not Paul VI who condemns this. It's not John Paul II or Benedict XVI or Francis or anyone like that. It's Catholic tradition that condemns this. Always has. And it always must. Um, and that is why, uh, you know, the very least you can say, is that they're not following Catholic tradition at all in this very, very important matter. Uh, they're doing something, they're accepting something that the Church has always condemned. Uh, and that is not being traditional Catholic. And by the way, I think this is also what's behind other positions that took, that took clergy have taken. For example, Father Sanborn, Father Dolan, and so on, and Father Chicana. In, in their own minds, and publicly uh, justifying the execution of Terry Scheibel. All three of them have come out and said that 
it was perfectly fine and Catholic that Cat Terry Shiro be, uh, you know, with, uh, killed by withholding nutrition and hydration. That they find it was perfectly okay to kill her. And um, I think this is horrible. I think it's absolutely horrid. But it didn't surprise me because if they could again justify what Archbishop Took did, it's as far as I'm concerned, they could find a way to, to justify just about anything. Um, anyway, there's more to this, uh, unfortunately, even with regard to abortion, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it might get us off topic. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know that you finished, uh, and I, I want to do justice to what this one writer has written, and I say he's written quite a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I let you, you know, you know, trust your judgment in the matter whether we address the issue. I think so. Yeah, there's just a lot of nice comments saying how they, they agree with everything that you say, how it makes sense, mm -hmm. and how the. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. This this next email is kind of in line with that one too. I, I thought this this was a great uh, short email here. They say after viewing Father Jenkins' presentation today and his other YouTube videos on the Took consecrations, to include his debate with Father Chicada, no reasonable person would give any credence to the lineage. I can only surmise that there may have been pragmatic considerations by Bishop Sanborn and Father Chicada to have a 180 degree changes in their outlooks. Beyond the ludicrous and bizarre nature of this issue, I also detect there may have been a dark intrusion into Archbishop Took's spiritual condition. What is the most efficient method of tracking the lineage at this point in time? Tracking the, the Took lineage? The Took lineage yeah. Well, I, I, there are various sites that try to give um, the lineage of those who are claiming to be bishops. There are even encyclopedias, actually, of independent autocephalous bishops. Um, so I guess one, if one comes up against someone who claims to be a bishop and uh, wants you to recognize him as a Catholic bishop, I guess you just have to start asking him, well, who ordained you and who consecrated you? And uh, as I say, there are those who will be offended by that question. Uh, I am not offended by the question when someone asks me about who ordained me. Uh, I, I actually praise them and I say, you're, you're, you're being cautious, and rightly so. And under the circumstances, this is exactly what the church would traditionally require of you. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if someone, uh, had, you know, did not care to even, even inquire, then I would say, well, I, I, would, want to, I would ask them to, you know, you know, to be more careful. About mm -hmm. it. And uh, they should insist on getting answers, you know. Uh, if the people ask, well, are you are you uh, are your holy, holy orders divide, derived from Archbishop Took? Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of asking uh, that question and getting a reliable answer. Mm -hmm. Father, what, was it uh, was it Father Chicada who who said something along the lines of of if we follow the the Took the Took consecrations, if we accept them, then we'll end up with two two bishops for every garage. Well, that was the title mm -hmm. of an article he wrote. Uh -huh. And he ended that article uh, <clears throat> just completely dismissing the Took uh, consecrations by saying, is this the, the future of the Catholic Church? And his answer was never! Exclamation point. So he was very emphatic about it. Uh, the only reason that um, he and Father Dolan and, and Father Sanborn seemed to soften on the issue was that when Archbishop Lefebvre put us out, um, they were casting about looking for a, a real Catholic bishop um, to, as it were, work with us, provide priests and so on. And uh, failing that, they began to... As I say, necessity is the mother invention, as this uh, author writes, it was a pragmatic decision. Right? But I don't think, uh, it, was, it was not a godly decision, I believe. I think the godly decision was to take the position, well, if, if God wants to provide for us to continue, then he will. Uh, but it, it is not up to us to go, uh, you know, pulling a bishop out of the hat, as it were, as so many others had done when they went to Archbishop Took in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, we were not about to do that, mm -hmm. and I uh, thank God we didn't. Um, 
You know, something this gentleman says, could you uh, read part of that again, Tom? Sure. I thought it was... Uh, uh, just been, after <laughs> viewing comments. Father Jenkins' presentation today and his other YouTube videos on the Took consecrations, also the debate with Father okay. Chicada, no reasonable person would give any credence to the lineage. Mm. I can only... Well, I, would, I just wanted to mention... Uh, and this is in light of the previous the, the first uh, one or two. <clears throat> that, um, you know, as far as those who are going to the Tooks, I, I have uh, great sympathy for them. And uh, to a certain extent, empathy for them, because I was kind of, you know, finding my way through too. And I know it wasn't easy. And it's not easy for them now <clears throat> uh, to find their way through the, the mess that the Novus Ordo's created. But uh, I presume that they are of goodwill. I mean, if they prove to me by something that they do that, that they are not of goodwill, then my presumption is always that they are of goodwill and they're doing what they believe is the right thing to do. I just default to that mode, assuming that they believe they're doing the right thing. I do believe that it is a duty of those who see that it is not the right thing to tell them and to warn them uh, that they're on the wrong track, just as I would warn a Novus Ordo person who might be of goodwill, uh, but I think deluded into accepting the Novus Ordo, I would do what I could <clears throat> after assuming that they, they mean well and they're trying to do the best they can under the circumstances, I would still try to show them that they're on the wrong track. And so it is with the uh, with those following the Tooks, you know. So I don't assume that they're all a bunch of sinners and they're going to hail. I don't, you know, as the preachers like to say. Um, quite the contrary. Uh, the problem is not that uh, if I have somebody who comes from one of the Took priests or bishops where uh, they are receiving sacraments in one of the Took chapels, Took clergy chapels, that I tell them you can't receive communion, holy communion, or receive the sacraments at all in um, one of our Society of St. Pius V chapels. It's not because I'm saying you are evil, you are unworthy, you're in the state of mortal sin, you know, you're reprobate, you are condemned uh, to eternal hellfire. I'm not saying that at all. <clears throat> I'm not even accusing them of doing anything subjectively wrong, but I believe what they're doing is objectively wrong. And uh, I may say, uh, truthfully, that I believe you're following your conscience, but I, can't, I cannot follow your conscience. I have to follow my conscience. And um, and my conscience, uh, based on the information I have and the principles I've been given by the church, my conscience tells me that this is wrong. This is gravely wrong. And I cannot go along with it, and I cannot be in communion with it. And you cannot compel me to be in communion with it. So, no, I don't intend to do violence to your conscience, but I will not allow you to do violence to mine by compelling, compelling me to be in, in communion with this what I consider to be a travesty, an anti-tradition travesty, if you want to call it, if, well, I'll call it that, <laughs> uh, that was perpetrated on would-be traditional Catholics by, unfortunately, Archbishop Took. And um, whether or not he did so with malice or simply because of the confusion of his mind, I don't know. God knows. But I know one thing that, in fact, objectively, what he did was gravely criminal in the eyes of the Church and not traditional. Mm -hmm. So, Father, just to back up for a second, you, you mentioned how this uh, the, the necessity is the mother of invention and, and, and that idea. I thought it was, it was rather revealing to, to, I believe it was Bishop Kelly laid it out in the, the Sacred and Profane, uh, where he talked about how uh, just shortly before Bishop Mendez carried out his uh, consecrations that he became rather sick and uh, it wasn't sure they weren't sure if he was actually going to be able to perform the consecrations yeah. and, and the position uh, by, by Bishop Kelly and, and yourself and, and others involved was essentially let, this is if this is the will of God then then we accept it exactly. and, and I think that's yeah. that's just the most Catholic position that one could possibly have you know mm -hmm. not to to go out trying to trying to come up with some fancy thing to, to get mm -hmm. us ordained to get us a bishop but just you know if God wants this to happen no, God will I, let him happen. I can tell you uh, firsthand that our concern was that if, our, if, if Bishop Mendez was dying that we wanted him to die with the benefit of the sacraments and save his soul right. that our primary concern was not 
that he provide a bishop for us because, again, you know, that was God's decision, not ours. And uh, I believe he did. I'm convinced that he did. And um, I'm very grateful to him for providing that. Sure. Uh, just a couple more emails here, Father. This this one here uh, is concerns the, the sacred and the profane. He says on page 41 of the book, Father Kelly states, the consecration of non-Catholics does not pose a threat to the faithful at this time in this country. Can you expand on this apparent contradiction? Yeah, who says that? Father Kelly, Bishop Kelly, and the sacred. The, the, the consecration of non-Catholics. Well, I think I'd have to get out of the book and read what comes before and what comes after. I have to read it in context. But my understanding, and I, I you know, reviewed the book before Bishop Kelly sent it to be published. And so my understanding of that is that um, he believed that uh, with Archbishop Took's death, there was not going to be any more consecration of non-Catholics, mm-hmm. I believe. But uh, nonetheless, I do believe we, you know, uh, if, the, if the question is, was um, Bishop Kelly saying that he didn't see anything wrong with it now, that he didn't see any problem with it, that's not what he's saying. I think he's saying for the future he doesn't expect anybody to be consecrating any more non-Catholics. Gotcha. That's how I understand what he's saying but uh, we have one of the members of our uh, audience here who's <laughs> deftly trying <laughs> to reach you a copy of the book. Uh, thank you, Mr. Snerdley. You're welcome, Mr. Snerdley. Page 41. Yeah, the beginning, the beginning of, of, of chapter 5 in the case of our... Yes, we do have our own, our own answer to Mr. Snerdley here. Um, this is page 41, okay. Yeah. Uh, documentary proof. This is chapter 5, the case of Archbishop Took. Documentary proof. The Took consecrations were done in secret. Therefore, according to the first two principles, they must be proved, and the burden of proof rests with those who affirmed them. And this is exactly true, because they were private. They were not canonically done, as I explained earlier. As the authors, uh, the Catholic authors, address that issue, they do not address this particular issue. And they certainly do not ascribe to them the weight of, uh, let's say, the, presum- the, the benefit of the doubt or presumption, not at all. But anyway, the kind of proof that is required by the Church is authentic documentary proof or testimonial evidence. Absolutely correct. The consecrations that we are concerned with are those of Father Gerard Laurier, Father Moises Carmona, and Father Adolfo Zamora. We are not concerned with the Palmar de Troya consecrations, nor with the consecrations of non-Catholics. These do not, at this time, pose a threat to the faithful in this country. The question we must first ask is this, is there authentic documentary proof for the consecrations of Father de Laurier, Carmona, and Zamora? And the answer is no. As a matter of fact, uh, subsequent to this, oddly enough, I mean, ten years after the consecrations of Carmona and Zamora, there was a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a document that was allegedly written out in Latin by uh, allegedly Father uh, Bishop uh, Took's own hand, in which he says that he consecrated Carmona and Zamora. I don't know of anyone who has seen the original of that document. I don't know that it was actually written out by Archbishop Took. I don't know if anyone's seen the handwriting of it and determined if it is Archbishop Took's handwriting. I know something was being passed around as being Archbishop, uh, rather Bishop Mendes's writing that was a total fraud. It was being passed around uh, uh, actually by Father Dolan and Father Chagana. And uh, it was a supposed confirmation uh, certificate, which bore a, uh, a signature that was absolutely fraudulent, not Bishop Mendes's signature by any means. Um, so, in other words, I don't know what to put past them. So, I mean, not Father Chicago, Father Dola necessarily, but who's ever come up with this, that they find this somewhere in a file after all these years, and well, look what we found. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's not the way the church does things, certainly. 
the point here, though, is what Bishop Kelly is saying there. Bishop Kelly is stating that in his opinion, <clears throat> that the consecrations um, of Dun at Palmar de Troya, they were also took consecrations. And the consecrations done by Archbishop Took of the non-Catholics do not at this time pose a threat to the faithful in this country. And I, <clears throat> I think from the context, it's very clear that Archbishop Took consecrated people at uh, Palmar de Troy. He consecrated two bishops who went on to consecrate dozens, who went on to consecrate hundreds, who went on to consecrate thousands of others. And Bishop Kelly is saying here, he doesn't see that the Catholics, the traditional Catholics of this country being threatened by those <clears throat> because they're not here. Um, and the same with the consecrations of non-Catholics done by Archbishop Took. That the consecrations of the non-Catholics whom, whom he uh, supposedly consecrated have not invaded our shores and produced uh, you know, non, uh, let's say, fake Catholic um, lineages here, stemming from those non-Catholics. So I think that's, that's what he's saying. And those particular consecrations done by Archbishop Took of the non-Catholics and of the Pomeratoria types don't pose a threat to the faithful in this country because they're elsewhere. He's saying here that he's, he's, concent he's addressing the questions of the consecrations of Father, Father Gerard Laurier, of Father Moises Carmona, and of Father Adolfo Zamara, because <clears throat> their progeny are operating in this country. And they're the ones who are multiplying and spreading in this country, the United States of America. That's why he considers the threat to, to be real in those particular cases. And that's why he's addressing those particular cases. Uh, I, I, you might say almost focusing in on them exclusively. That's where he sees the threat is. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, that, that is the clear meaning of this. And uh, again, uh, we, we should rely more on um, Mr. Snurdly to provide the uh, <laughs> documentation yeah. we need here. Right. So, otherwise, I, I hope, is that, is that clear? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm saying as clearly as I'm thinking it. Sometimes the words don't come across as clear as, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll thought. We'll find out with the uh, wait and Anyway, kind of if that doesn't answer the question, I ask our writer to get back to us and yeah. let us know. Yeah, definitely. All right, last, last email, Father, on this matter. This viewer uh, would like to know about um, if a non-Catholic bishop can become a Catholic right on the spot by making a profession of faith and a good confession. Can he then be validly consecrated as a bishop in the Catholic Church? Are we certain that Bishop took consecrated a non-Catholic bishop? Perhaps the bishop we think was conditionally consecrated as a non-Catholic was indeed made Catholic just prior to his conditional consecration by having made a profession of faith and a good confession. Perhaps you can't you you cannot assume that that happened. Though. Yeah. You know it's. I'm sorry, but you cannot assume that. Mm -hmm. If he was in fact a schismatic, had left the Catholic faith as in the case of Laborie, had left the Catholic faith to be ordained a priest for a schismatic sect. <clears throat> and then you have those who, uh, who were present at Gerard Laurier's consecration, at, I'm sorry, at uh, Archbishop Took's consecrations. And you ask them, why would he consecrate someone he knew to be a non-Catholic? And they answer, because Archbishop Took thought by consecrating him a bishop, he'd make him a Catholic. Yeah which is absolutely absurd, and I think it shows there's a problem with his mind. <clears throat> um, remember, Archbishop Took was from Vietnam, Vietnam neighbor of China. It was to the bishops of China that Pope Pius XII addressed the encyclical Apostolorum Principis, in which he spoke about the excommunication <clears throat> of any bishop who would consecrate Contra omnifas, against all traditional practice. That's, that's the expression he used in Latin, in the encyclical. Contra omnifas, against all Catholic practice. And um, 
he says that is the object of this of this excommunication that he put into effect in 1951. So you know, Bishop uh, uh, Turk must have been aware of this. You'd think. I mean, he supposedly had a doctor in canon law. So uh, it would be unthinkable that he would not be aware of that's a consecutive addressed addressed by Pope Pius XII to the bishops of the communist bishops of uh, I mean, I'm sorry the Catholic bishops of communist China. Uh, so, but then for him to think that by consecrating this non-Catholic man who's been ordained and already consecrated a bishop schismatically outside the Catholic Church, and I'm going to conditionally consecrate him because I know he's already received consecration outside the Church. So, uh, therefore, I'm going to conditionally consecrate him and make a Catholic out of him. That is not only absurd, it is it is completely uh, there's something wrong there's mentally wrong with that concept um, for a Catholic bishop certainly so the idea that somebody could make a profession of faith and abjuration of error be immediately reconstituted as a Catholic the, the church's ruling on this is that if someone as in the case of the, the Took bishops, uh, the, the consecrating of the non-Catholics, we're talking about men who are baptized Catholics, left the church to be schismatically ordained, possibly also schismatically consecrated, as in the case of uh, Laborie. The church traditionally says that when they return to the Catholic church, they cannot use the orders, they cannot avail of themselves of the orders they received, the holy orders of the priesthood, or the consecration that they underwent as a bishop. They simply, it simply cannot be done, it cannot be accepted. Uh, there's, a, there's an impediment there against that being done. <clears throat> so to say that somebody who was schismatically ordained and or consecrated could simply make an abjuration of error, a profession of faith, and then be consecrated a Catholic bishop on the spot, Again, Tom, this is contrary to all Catholic practice. <clears throat> I mean, what one could point the finger, uh, you know, in the direction of, oh, I don't know, uh, Cardinal Newman, for example, <clears throat> who came over from the Anglicans, and he was an Anglican clergyman. <clears throat> but, I mean, this was the work of the Church. This was a decision made by the supreme authority of the Catholic Church, canonically uh, adjudicating the case, and making decision for his sake. That's not what you have going on here. Archbishop Took, uh, Archbishop Lefebvre, Bishop Mendes could not take it upon themselves to say, okay, well, contrary to all Catholic practice in the past, to Catholic tradition, <clears throat> we are going to uh, let this schismatically ordained and consecrated person come to us, make an abjuration of error, profession of faith, and then we're going to consecrate him a bishop. You're going to begin to function as a bishop. I'm sorry. And that's even assuming that he does that. And that's a, a complete presumption out of nowhere. Uh, Dr. Hiller and Dr. Heller, uh, who were present for the consecration of Gerard Laurier, or at least for the ceremony, and uh, uh, although they couldn't testify it, they said they were not there as witnesses. And they were also present for other consecration ceremonies of Archbishop Tuck. They made no mention of Archbishop Took having uh, Laborie or anyone else make an adjuration of error and a profession of faith before um, uh, actually, you know, being consecrated by him. And as a matter of fact, I don't think they even made a mention of uh, them taking the oath against modernism before consecration by Archbishop Took. Um, which would obviously not exactly be traditional, yeah. you know, acceptable for traditional Catholics. Even. <clears throat> so uh, there was there's something wrong here, gravely wrong. And the, the, the fact that they bring up these arguments uh, indicates to me that, that they know there's something wrong and they're trying to find a way to make it come out right and they just can't seem to find... <laughs> 
uh, find a good excuse for it. Yeah, that does seem kind of like <laughs> grasping at straws. That's it. Right. It looks like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Father, I believe you, you've already answered this question, but just for, for clarity's sake, was Archbishop Took excommunicated ipso facto? Or was he excommunicated by an anti-pope for his consecrating a bishop known to be a non-Catholic? Well, any any uh, excommunication leveled against him by someone who was not truly a pontiff or whose pontificate was in doubt would carry no weight for us. The problem is that he's defying Catholic tradition and doing something that the Catholic Church traditionally excommunicated for. Uh, she might, as I mentioned, Father Chicago likes to claim, uh, require a declaratory sentence in the past, but the Church has made that declaration. And in 1951, Pope Pius XII made it automatic, not requiring a declaration of excommunication. <clears throat> there have been times in the case of, for example, Arnold Harris Matthew, who got himself consecrated by the Jansenist Archbishop Gull, the schismatic, in Utrecht, and uh, the church, well, it was Pope Pius XI, Pope Pius X himself. St. Pius X declared him an excommunicatus vitandus. Someone who was excommunicated by a declaratory sentence of Pope St. Pius X for his receiving consecration outside the church and then presuming to do consecrations and to consecrate other men outside, you know, who are not Catholics. Um, in fact, some of them might even have been Catholic priests that he consecrated. Um, and he was excommunicated so solemnly that he was to be avoided, which means that if he were to walk into a Catholic church uh, while Mass was being offered or Vespers was being sung, it had to stop. They had to stop as long as he was present. I mean, that's pretty serious. They couldn't continue the Mass as long as that man was present on the property, in the, in the, in the church. That's what it is to be an excommunicatus vitandus, by a declaratory sentence. Pope Pius XII said that to uh, do this kind of thing, and you can look it up, I mean, it's, it's a decree of the Holy Office in 1951, like it's July of 1951. It's in the Octavus Cities, saying that to do such a thing, one would be uh, automatically excommunicated. So there was no need to investigate just by the very fact that he did it. There was no need to issue a declaratory sentence just by the very fact that he did it, he was excommunicated in the most specially way reserved to the Holy See. That's extremely serious business. And this is what the Turks are playing, toying with. And they're, they're just dismissing this as though it has no bearing whatsoever on um, what they're doing. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but yes, it does. It has everything to do with what they're doing. They cannot claim to be following Catholic tradition and turn a blind eye to that or dis dismiss that as though it doesn't matter. It does matter. Yeah. Very serious business we're dealing, they're dealing with here. So I don't know if that answers uh, the question or not, Tom. I hope I it so. did address it somewhat. <laughs> I think so. You know, Father, after, uh, after all of this, I think that... Uh, I think that this viewer says it best when they say that no no reasonable person will give any credence to the lineage. I don't think you could you could sum it up any better than that. But unfortunately, it, it remains a, a problem. You know, I'm sure that we'll still receive plenty of plenty of emails in regards to this show. Um, they're they're constantly constantly uh, 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 discussions on on this topic, and it's it's always an ongoing problem because of of. Uh, the intermingling between the, these two different, uh, different, different societies. I guess you know you have the Society of Saint Pius V uh, members of, of the Society of Saint Pius V who, who uh, want to perhaps get married to these other uh, mm. people who they think are, are traditional Catholics, and so this is just an ongoing, an ongoing mm. strife that, that seems to be a problem for the foreseeable future. So how how do you think that this ever gets resolved, Father? Well, I, I do believe that uh, only God is going to be able to resolve this. I mean, I, as far as the, the, as I say, I mean, I think it's it's very clear that there is a an objective doubt with regard to the validity of the consecrations performed by Archbishop Took, and um, that that alone would mean we, we rule out 
availing ourselves of it in any way. Okay? Um, but there is no doubt, in my mind anyway, okay, that with the consecrations that he did, Archbishop took is definitely automatically excommunicated, reserved in the most special way to the Holy See. I think there's no doubt about that, that this applies, that decree applies to him and what he did, and that these consecrations cannot yield Catholic priests and Catholic bishops. <clears throat> so, um, and we can't just ignore that because, again, it is really a question of whether we're following Catholic tradition or not, whether we are really are traditional Catholics or not. Um, now, you know, we just have to ask people to look at the look at the point, examine uh, the issues, and see if they're substantial or not. You know, there are those who will dismiss them and say, "Well, I don't care." Uh, this is uh, good enough for me, I mean, and, and good enough for my children and my grandchildren. Well, these are decisions that they're going to have to make for themselves and be responsible for to God. Um, as far as making it absolutely clear to everybody uh, what the truth is, um, I, I don't know. Again, you know, other than by the divine intervention is going to make that possible and even then I, I you know God has intervened in many many ways and many times notably by sending his own divine son into the world and you see that many people just don't want that you know they don't want him and so uh, as uh, the only way you could uh, resolve that is by you know taking away free will <laughs> and giving everybody infallibility, or as it were, the charism of infallibility. I, I don't know of any way to make the problem go away. Uh, I see it an issue of soul by soul, the same with the Novus Ordo. So I say, well, how do you solve the Novus Ordo? And the answer would be that you'd have to bring everybody back to uh, faith, hope, and charity, the true traditional Catholic faith, so that everybody has the, the true faith, Everyone places their hope in our Lord and only in our Lord, and they love him enough to do what is necessary to be faithful to him. Um, that is the only thing that is going to bring everybody around back to the traditional Catholic faith again. Um, you know, but God doesn't compel anyone. So I look upon it as a, a salvage effort. I mean, look at our Lord. He came here to seek and to save what was lost, as he said. And I look at it as the same, the same effort we're making to try to seek and to save soul by soul what was lost, and to retrieve them if they, well, even with the degeneration coming up now, we're not retrieving them from the Novus Ordo, because retrieving them means to bring them back to the traditional faith. And many of them were raised in the Novus Ordo when they never knew the traditional Catholic faith. So, in a sense, we're trying to convert them to the traditional faith. People who already believe that they're Catholic. We have to show them that they're not, and then convert them to the traditional Catholic faith. It's different from a Protestant who knows he's not Catholic, who realizes that, you know, that, 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 that he doesn't hold and never did hold the Catholic faith. And that's well, one reason why it's, it's, it's easier to convert the, the, the Protestant, born and reared Protestant, because he knows there's a difference, and he's not confused that, well, I am already a Catholic. But the Novus Ordo Catholic is raised in the Novus Ordo. Uh, it has to, first of all, be shown that that is not Catholicism. <clears throat> so there's another step there, and that's not so easy to do. You know. um, <clears throat> but I look upon it as a matter of, um, how can we make this whole problem go away? But rather, how can we you know, approach soul by soul and uh, try to find those who actually love the truth and will listen to it. And so it is among the, the, the Tukites or the Tuk adherents or whatever you want to call it, Tukaris. <laughs> uh, um, you know, it's a matter of, uh, you know, addressing them one by one and, and telling them, look, uh, you're really on the wrong track here and uh, give you credit for being of goodwill. But uh, still, objectively speaking, you're on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is where true charity comes in, to get back to our first questioner. True charity is not basically just leaving people be. <clears throat> when you believe they're on the wrong track, 
and they're going to suffer the consequences of being on the wrong track down the road, and that there are going to be some very serious troubles that they're going to suffer, and injury they're going to be suffered because they're on the wrong road, that charity means you have to face the consequences of perhaps people being upset with you, perhaps people calling you names, um, as the Novus Ordo does, perhaps even with some of the Turks, you know, call you uncharitable because <clears throat> you're um, objecting to things that are being done there. You have to be willing to brave that. That's true charity. Um, our Lord was every bit as charitable when he was uh, calling out, as it were, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <clears throat> When our Lord says to the Pharisees, why do you tempt me, you hypocrites, about the coin of the tribute? Um, our Lord was being every bit as charitable as when he said, O woman, great is thy faith, to the Canaanite woman um, who begged a miracle for the life of her daughter. And when our Lord on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was the same charity that spoke every time. Uh, and it doesn't make it any less charity when he, our Lord is saying things that people find troublesome and bothersome uh, when our Lord uh, is calling them out for their faults or, or accusing them of their faults as when our Lord is actually forgiving them. It's the same charity. So that, that is true charity toward the Tuks as well as to the Novosoros that we have to come back to practice Catholic tradition, its integrity, mm -hmm. and not simply saying, well, let's put this one under the rug and try to keep it there, <clears throat> and say we're traditional Catholics, when in fact the elephant is still under the rug, <clears throat> and he's not dead, he's moving around <laughs> under there, and you can't, uh, you know, he, he's going to continually be a problem until you face Mm -hmm. It's really there. Well, Father, this this is our, our second program now that we've solely dedicated to this this issue, and you know we we referenced uh, the sacred and the profane book by by Bishop Kelly a lot. So there are resources out there for for those who want to mm -hmm. want to want to know the truth. But thank, thanks for being here tonight, Father. Thanks for helping out with. Well, you're very welcome. Time. Thank you. We we have some questions that were raised by people directly to me in my travels too. So one of these days we can probably get to those. Uh, someone just recently asked me about what's happening in Venezuela with socialism and what it tells you about socialism. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps we ought to uh, address that next time. And also some of the rather peculiar things going on in the Vatican. Um, so um, in any case, uh, maybe we could uh, Put those on the on the slate next time. All kinds we'll, of good we'll stuff see. coming up. I think we ought to meet here every uh, just just to address what what's going on in the Vatican. We could we could meet every night, talk <laughs> yeah. for a, you know, an hour or two. Yep. Uh, Francis is nothing if not prolific. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, he, he certainly provides a lot to talk about. Okay. But tonight we escape. Without. I was going to say, I thought this would be the one Having program where we did, where yes. didn't mention his name, but it did That's right. Uh, thanks to Mr. Sturdley, we avoided, uh, yeah. we avoided getting out of that subject. So. <laughs> but maybe we can forecast next uh, program we dealing with that. some of those issues, too. We can do that. Okay. Thank you, Father. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.